A great way to support Daily Thunder is by visiting one of our partners, ShopGood. ShopGood has you covered on all Thunder-related clothing items, including original and hand-printed shirts, hats, and stickers for both adults and kids. Be sure to check out our Thunderbird Tee, a popular team redesign concept that pays homage to Oklahoma's Native American culture. To view Daily Thunder's entire catalog at ShopGood, visit shopgoodokc.com slash daily dash thunder. Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting Daily Thunder. Welcome back to the Daily Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods. I promised you last week a very special guest, and I am here to introduce said special guest. We have Mr. Brian Gill on the line with us today, and... Uh, Brian is the host of Spread the Floor podcast, is an NBA podcast. If you aren't familiar, it's the only <laughs> NBA podcast, according to its Twitter profile. Um, he also hosts my absolute favorite podcast, Mad About Movies. So we will get into a little bit of that later. Um, but Brian, he will, be, he will be my Brian Cardinal uh, to my Deshaun Stevenson. He is a big Mavs fan, and we welcome him to the Daily Thunder podcast. Brian, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, I thought you were, and I would have if I was you. I, was, I thought you were going to set me up for it. I promised the special guest last time, but he bailed out, so we get this guy instead. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt Damon, though. We ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, we had, to, we had to bump you. Sorry, dude. No. Man, Brian um, Cardinal, though, that's a that's quite a compliment. I'll, I'll, the custodian, I'll right? It. Yeah, the custodian. Yeah. Uh, so Brian... Brian's a big uh, Brian's big Mavs guy. This spread the floor is more NBA centric, though. You guys don't solely it's not solely Mavs, right? We we try very hard to not be a Mavs podcast. And some there are days where I I text him and I'm like, why do we do this? Because all I really (laughs) want to talk about is the Mavs. That's like takes up about 80 percent of my brain. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But we we do. We try to cover the league as a whole and and not get too biased into Mavs talk too often anyway, as, as best we can. As best well, we can. listen, we've stopped trying here. So uh, <laughs> as seen by the name. Um, so one uh, big reason we wanted to have Brian on is he, for someone who doesn't do it full time, very few people study uh, the draft more than he does, spends uh, really, wouldn't you say, an embarrassing amount of time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure my wife would would say that. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get into uh, a little bit of that. I wanted to start at the top. Um, we're obviously big Cade Cunningham fans because he played uh, at Oklahoma State. Um, he's, I would say, the the clear number one right now. Um, but wanted to get your your take on Cade. Would you take him one? Um, and if if not, why not? I mean, to me, this is like, I tend to try to break down the draft into tiers and I I have a, for me at least, and this is, it's still a little early in this process. I try to, uh, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not doing this full time. I try to, to quote unquote, lock my, my board a week or so before the draft. But to me at this point, he is in his own tier personally. I, mm-hmm. I would have him that far ahead of, of Jalen green and Evan Mobley and, and the rest of, of this class. So yes, I, I, I mean, I guess if you're the Pistons, you got to do your, your due diligence of, 
hey, if <laughs> if OKC wants to throw 40 picks at us or something, <laughs> then then maybe we'd we'd consider that. But to me, that scene that's all that the the kind of bluster is with them of you know, we're gonna hey, we're gonna we're gonna talk, we're gonna look at everybody, we're gonna bring in other guys besides Kate Cunningham and all this. To me, that just is we gotta show that we if somebody wants to come in and give us the ridiculous godfather offer, then then maybe we would do that. But otherwise, I do not envision a world in which any team should draft uh, Jalen Green or somebody else over over Cade Cunningham. I think he's I think he's that much better than than everybody else in this draft. Yeah. Um, if you were the Pistons, would you take Shea for the number one pick straight up? I wouldn't. Um, Interesting. I I like Shea a lot. I don't. I don't. I maybe am not as high on Shea as the average or certainly maybe as, as, as this podcast is, but I think more than anything, I would just look at it as I'd rather have the timeline that I get with Cade versus the timeline that I give a shit. So if you offered me Shay and a bunch of those picks, I think Mm -hmm. then we might could have a conversation, but I don't know what a bunch means. You know, I don't know if it's one or seven or, or 14. Well, we've already hung up the phone. We've already hung up the phone. It's all good. (laughs) Um, um, Where were you last year on Killian Hayes? And what do you think that's like, like, do you think, do you see any like snags there? I think they can play together. I don't know that. Here's how I look at it. I was pretty high on Killian, Killian Hayes. Maybe a little higher than consensus, but lower than Kevin O'Connor is somewhere in that. In <laughs> That's that the bar. That's the yeah, bar. Yeah. Um, I think I've had him like, I don't know, fifth on my board, something, something in that range. And then obviously he had a, a fairly disappointing season, but I I I felt pretty good about saying we're not gonna know much about this kid for the at least the first couple of years. He's a mm-hmm. long way away from being like a true starter on a good team kind of kind of player. And so it's gonna take a little bit of time. I think that those two can play together. Um, I especially like them as far as like a, a defensive backcourt. I think mm-hmm. there's there's something that can be done with those two, and I, I don't think that they they get in the way of each other. The other way that I would look at it is is simply um, Cade is so much better. Cade, I think, as far as a prospect goes, now Melo obviously had a really good season, and so did Anthony Edwards and stuff. But just as as prospects go, if Cade was in last year's draft, I think he was number one pick far and away over everybody there too. And so I would kind of look at it as even if I don't know for sure that Cade and Killian can play together, I don't really care. I'll yeah. just trade Killian somewhere down the line if yeah. that's what it comes down to. Um, so and and the Pistons are so far away from from being good that, that to me, that should, it shouldn't even matter really if those two guys can, can play together. But I do think that they can kind of fit. And I like Sadiq Bay a lot. He was, mm-hmm. I was very high on him last year and truly devastated when the Mavs didn't draft him. I was so angry <laughs> about that. Um, and still, still a little bit angry, still a little yeah, bit angry. Yeah, but, sure. But I think that there's, they have like a couple of nice little building blocks. What they don't have is a, is a superstar. And I think mm-hmm. Kate Cunningham can be a, a superstar, even if, I'm not sure that he'll project as like a true number one scorer on a great team, but I think that he yeah. can be your, your best player on a good team pretty quickly. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about that fit. There's been a lot of talk about like drafting for fit uh, Atlanta and, and Phoenix, uh, especially given their success in the playoffs, like Phoenix, they got just crushed for that Cam Johnson pick. And yeah. he's a solid role player that does exactly what, Mm-hmm. he was drafted to do um contributes on a really good team 
Um, so yeah, they're, but you're like, you're saying the Pistons are, are far enough away and they're at the top of the draft. Like their job is to draft the best player. That is the, that is the responsibility that comes with getting the number one pick is, uh, is getting the best guy. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, The next few guys has been interesting to me because all during the, uh, during the college season, Mobley seemed to be, uh, pretty comfortably at two. Um, and then Suggs, mm-hmm. obviously that was before we could have seen, uh, Jalen green and Jonathan Kaminga at the, for, for the G league. So, um, I'm in, I'm, I've been kind of surprised to be honest, to see Suggs mm-hmm. fall, uh, even to four. Um, I think most people have him going forth. Um, and I don't know necessarily that that has a lot to do with the teams that are there. Um, sure. so, uh, I, are you surprised by that? Are you, are you, uh, do you think that's, do you think green, are you, are you good with green and Mobley in front of Suggs? My order would probably at, at right now anyway, would probably be Mobley two, Suggs three, green four. I do think that is the tier though. I think all three of them sure. are, are close enough that, like I said, I think there's a break between one and, and the next group. And I think there's a big break between, those three and, and the guys that come after them. Um, I see what people see in green. This, I think this comes down to like some draft philosophy and, and projection is like the hardest part of this stuff with, with the draft of, of, I mean, you can see what you can see on tape and you can, you can reasonably, if you're, you know, if you do this for a while and you're good at it or mediocre at it, like me, you can kind of say, here's ways that he can improve. And is that a, do I re, do I believe that that is a likely outcome? You know, is that mm-hmm. how it's going to be? And then you're playing the whole, the floor, the ceiling, all that kind of stuff. And just trying to judge all those things. It's why like big boards are so difficult in a vacuum because you'd like to think that you're looking at everything like a hundred percent objectively, but one team is going to see a player differently than another team. And some teams are more likely should take more chances than other teams, you know, depending on what they're, um, their team building is like at the, at that time. Um, for me, like Houston is an interesting one because they have so little talent on their roster. Um, it, as far as like, these are guys that we're going to be building with mm-hmm. for the future. Obviously they would, I mean, I, maybe some Houston fan is going to yell at me or something. Cause I love to dunk on Houston. So it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm super thrilled, but like, that is a subgenre that you, <laughs> that is your corner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's been real easy this year um, yes. to the point that they like, kind of felt bad about it. I was like, this is sad. <laughs> like, it's not even fun to, to dunk on them right now. But um, like, I'm sure anyone involved with the Rockets organization would be thrilled to get off John Wall's contract if they could do so without sending out multiple picks to get rid of him and Eric Gordon the same way. And I mean, their best player as far as a building standpoint is Christian Wood and and. I think Christian Wood is a fine NBA player that I, I really probably wouldn't want to be one of my three best players, you know, for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they are a team that potentially, and they're in year one of their rebuild that they might should prioritize potential over or a higher ceiling. If you want to you know use that, that terminology over more of a sure thing to me, Jalen Suggs is a sure thing. I mm-hmm. have, I have there is almost no world to me in barring obviously injury or something like that, but there is almost no world to me in which he is not a high level, high impact starter for 10 or or 12 years Mm -hmm. in in the league. And if he turns out to be better than that, 
great. And I think there's a, there's a real chance that he could be, I think he has some of that special like star potential. Um, Suggs, excuse me. Uh, um, green is, I mean, you can see the, the talent that like jumps off the screen when you, when you pull up tape of him or whatever, or watch the games, you can see the potential that's there. And it's, I mean, it's very tantalizing, right? I mean, like you can see why somebody would, would fall for it. I don't think that he's going to like bust out of the NBA or anything, but I do think that there's, I, th- I do think that there's a higher percent chance that he turns out to be a sixth man type and not a, a just world-class starter caliber kind of player. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got to weigh what you, what you want to do on those things. And then Mobley, I really like Mobley. I think he's another one that you can see like how it could, I try to think in my head, how does this work and how does it not work? Like what's, what's the universe and what, what happens in the universe where Evan Mobley doesn't pan out to be a really high quality functioning, you know, starter level or, or better NBA player. And it's just like, well, he's, he weighs about 112 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a tiny, tiny dude. And as far as his, his weight, and do you, can you see that frame? Like, bulking up i don't know i think that's a real question and then his his shot mechanics are pretty terrible and things like that and so you can kind of say here's the knock on him here's the knock on green here's the knock on on Suggs. and i guess the knock on Suggs, if if there is one is maybe his ultimate like top level star potential is lower than those other two guys and i don't know maybe you want to go that route but like if he falls to toronto at four I would like run to the podium if I was the Raptors. I would be so thrilled if mm-hmm. if I could if I could draft Suggs and kind of get my Kyle Lowry replacement and and move forward because I know, like I said, I just feel like there's almost no world in which he's not a really really good NBA player for a long time. Yeah, and it's from the Thunder pers- Thunder's perspective. We've uh, I think we've all just been trying to think of ways to get into that top four. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cleveland at three, Toronto at four, like we keep coming back to it just it all depends on how those teams evaluate those guys. Right. And right. what's the value for them? Mm-hmm. Um, do they like Barnes? Like, do they evaluate Barnes, uh, Scotty Barnes, that is higher than Sucks? Sure. Um, do they think he's do they think he's projecting long term as a better player? And if so, they might be willing to you know, if they, if they don't think Orlando is going to take him at five, Mm -hmm. um, they might be willing to move back, but that has been, uh, which is why I come back to, I think it's more likely than the most likely scenario is that Oklahoma city picks at six. Mm -hmm. Um, but outside of those top three, like you, you mentioned Kate in his own tier and then the next tier of three, um, now we get into guys like Kaminga and Barnes that I think have, kind of separated into their own like third tier sure. um some people are really really high on Kaminga and have no problem putting him in that second tier uh i've seen some guys with him as low as like 15 to 20 like literally Oof. he's all over yeah. the place um so i was gonna i was curious what your take is on Kaminga, and if you were in orlando's seat assuming that those four go in that in some order if you're Orlando, which one of those Barnes or Kaminga are you most interested in? And, or is it someone that's not one of those sure. two guys? 
I like Scotty Barnes a lot. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of what he brings to the table. Um, he, I think both of these guys, and I kind of put Keon Johnson in this group. I think Keon Johnson's probably has a lower ceiling than, than either of these two, but if the magic or the thunder or somebody like that took Keon Johnson instead of Kaminga, um, I don't think that that would be like a huge, terrible reach by any means. Um, Kaminga and Barnes, I think kind of, they compare to each other because they, they both kind of bring in theory, they can bring some of the same things to the table. They're both like really good athletes. Kaminga is a crazy good athlete. And, mm-hmm. and you, Kaminga is like this, the guy that, um, if you just, if you pulled somebody, you know, out of, if you just pulled somebody off the street and were, and who had never seen basketball before and you just showed them, uh, you know, a lineup or whatever, Jonathan Kaminga is the one that they would say that guy's probably good at basketball. Like he mm-hmm. just has the, he has the build. You can tell he has the, the kind of, um, you can just tell he has the, the tools are in there and it's just a matter of, is he going to put it all together? Um, and that is, I mean, it's, that's a huge question. I, like I said, with Jalen Green, I, I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of possibility that he just turns out to be like that. His ceiling is just a really good six man off the bench scorer guy type player, which is a quality career. But for sure, for second sure. to yeah. be yeah, to be the second in this class to, yes. in this draft to be the second pick, it's it's a lot. Exactly, exactly. And again, there's there's plenty of time plenty of worlds where he turns out to be like a 27 point per game scorer in the nba too like he has that that ability and so i'm not saying that's not going to happen i just yeah if i was building i would i would usually probably tend to lean towards well what happened what's the median outcome and how how valuable is he as a median outcome player i think that's a lot higher with Suggs. personally yeah i'm with you kaminga is a guy to me that i I would be very wary of in the draft. I think that he has real true. I hate saying this cause I root for all these guys, but like if there's any player in this top 10 or so that is like, has real true bust potential, it's, it's him. He just, there's a lot of, if not red flags, then kind of, you know, <laughs> yellow lights kind of magenta. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little, oh, I'm not, not super sure about that. Yeah. Um, at the very least, I think it's very fair to say he is a project in the the very stereotypical sense of the word. Like it's going to be a while before you get a return on on what he brings to the table. I think. Um, whereas for Barnes, Barnes is also a project offensively. He does not know what to do with the ball as far as trying to score. Like he has no scoring instincts really, really whatsoever. It reminds um, me of the Giannis video, the zero bag, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> negative <yeah>. bag. <laughs> so totally, <laughs> totally. I mean, he just, if he's, when he's in transition, what's funny with, with Barnes was very interesting. He's, he's difficult to, to kind of compare to other players in a lot of ways, because you just rarely see somebody who is, as good of a, a, a playmaker as he is, like he has real touch with the ball in terms yeah. of making passes and reads and stuff like that, who also has so little touch when it comes to, to trying to score the ball. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, if he gets to the rim, great. And if he doesn't, it is a, I mean, it's a real crapshoot as to what's going to happen. It just, he doesn't really know what he's doing on that front, but I do know that he is going to be a high level defender. I have, I have almost no doubt whatsoever that he's going to be, a guy who can defend one through four pretty much. And mm-hmm. 
is going to cause problems for, for the offensive player. And so um, that's something that I would bet on. Whereas Kaminga, I'm not totally sure what he hangs his hat on if he doesn't reach 60% of what his potential is, you know? Yeah. If Barnes doesn't, it's like, cool. Um, this guy is going to come in. He's going to be border. He's he's at worst. He's like Matisse Thibel, I think like that kind of like he can really impact the game defensively. If we build our team correctly and put him on the floor with four shooters and or playmakers, he can help us with kind of short roll stuff and we'll figure it out. And maybe he learns to shoot. I don't I don't know. But like if he doesn't, he's a guy that absolutely can impact the game defensively. Maybe from day one. I mean, I think he's he's. I think he could hold his own. I think he could hold his own in game two tomorrow night. Yeah, he's uh, he's real good. Sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He can really he gets after you, too. What's what's crazy to me with him as much as anything is like that. He it's pretty rare to see a guy who is as um, who has his pedigree and who's kind of as highly recruited as he was and whatnot, who comes in and is so willing to defend the way he was yeah. um, at Florida State. I mean, he's like going 94 feet with guys, with point guards. And he's 6'9", yeah. I think, 6'7", six, 6'9". Six, yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, uh, he's six, nine, he's yeah. six, nine with like a seven, four, seven, three, seven, <laughs> I mean, four wingspan. Like that's, that's real. I mean that, you know, that he is going to kill in workouts too. I would imagine like people are going to get really excited when they see him come in and, and the way that he tests and stuff. Speaking Whereas, of work. With, yeah, speak, go ahead. Sorry. Speaking of workouts that like, you know, who's a sucker for guys hitting consecutive threes in a wide open gym. Me. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't, I can't stop it. the, <laughs> I saw um, pretty early on uh, Jonathan Gavoni put out just a, a clip of Barnes. And I, before I even clicked on it, I was like, just relax, just relax. He's going to make most of the shots you're about to see. Relax. Right. You had to, you Couldn't, talk do yourself it. Into it. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. It was like literally <laughs> every time I see one of these like pro yeah. day workouts got i mean it it's a rem, it's a reminder how insane these guys yes. are like yes. they are just so good right. um they're right. so accurate and uh <laughs> when there's no one around them like they they literally they all look like ray allen and yeah, uh, yeah it's, exactly. it makes it very confusing for me <laughs> but you know who loves the 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 sound of six nine with a seven three seven four wingspan is is sam presti yeah um, those yeah, sure. like the he needs a safe word uh, when when it comes to that type of uh, projection yeah. like yeah. it really is and i think that's become a kind of scary for thunder fans is like over the last couple of years it's felt like he's straight away from that um sure. like we're we're going for guys now that like can they can do everything and they're smart they're high iq guys and we want them to be able to shoot pass and dribble like everyone on the floor mm-hmm. um so I think, and even even if he's if Barnes is available at six, and I think the longer, like the closer we get to the draft, the less likely I think that will be. Mm. But uh, if if he is there, I think that's the that's the clear pick. But but when his name is called, let's say his name is called at six, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Thunder fans are going to feel like we've reverted. Uh, we're back at at verse one, if you will, sure. Um, sure. and and are going to need to uh, need to see some improvement quickly before they, I don't, I'm not going to say turn on a guy, but like mm-hmm. it, that we their Thunder fans have a lot of history of watching of, of guys getting drafted that just cannot shoot. And sometimes sure, they sure. develop into shooters like Dort 
wasn't mm-hmm. drafted, but Gosh. has become has become one of the crimes of draft night. Yeah, it's still, it really still drives that draft was so bad and (laughs) he went under and it just, it, I felt like an idiot. I felt like I was, I mean, there's every year, I'm sorry, I interrupt you, but like every year there's, there's guys that I, I sell myself on that ultimately you're just like, dude, what were you doing? Like, there's no way that like I had Tyler Bay, like in the low teens last year and they played like two games, you know, and it's unlikely that it's ever really going to change. But like Dort is one of those that I was watching. I'm just like, this guy has, can he shoot? No, he cannot shoot, but he has everything else. And this draft is so bad. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand why he's not getting more, more love and then felt like an idiot. And then, you know, the end of last season, I was like, I was right. I was right about this guy. You know, you really yeah. did have it. But. He, he was a guy that came to like started playing G league games. And uh, this is two years ago now, but I mean, it looked like they were going to have to switch out the apparatus. Like when he would, <laughs> when he would throw something at the rim, like it was violent. Yeah. And yeah. he has, he has come so far. He shot 35% last year on like six a game. Right. Um, yeah. He's like, for him to just scratch league average is like such a win um, for a team that I think has really struggled. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, notwithstanding, like <laughs> developing shooters. Sure. Like, uh, I think it's been a real like, a real weak spot for, for that team, for a, for a, a organization that develops very well. Yeah. Um, they have a very strong track record of that. Um, that's kind of become their identity and, sure. uh, sure. but shooting hasn't been, hasn't been their strong suit. And I think shooting is something that you can improve. It's been done many, many, many times. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see if Scotty, if they, if they are with, uh, there at six and, and he's there. Um, first of all, do they go with him? And right. is that something that they, that they stress to improve? Because we've sure. all seen, you know, we've all seen Ben Simmons, like it's, it can get rid We've all seen Russ, like Russ, I think doesn't get as, I think he's become underrated, um, mm-hmm. a bit as a, as like that mid range pull up shooter. Um, I think he's, when he, when we talk about Russ as a shooter, we immediately go to the three pointer, but, right. um, but Bar- I, that is, that is such a, I mean, it's such a wild card. I think if he develops a shot, we could be looking back as like, how, how in the world did he fall to five or six? Mm-hmm. Right. But if he doesn't, um, you could be seeing guys below him that you probably would have wanted more. Yeah, totally. And I think part of the reason why Kaminga and, and Barnes are linked right here at five, six is because I think you know, I mentioned you got to decide whether some teams should take chances and some, some teams shouldn't. Um, yes. Orlando has their cupboards, not as bare as Houston's is, but they don't have a building. They don't have a single guy on that roster. In my opinion, who is eventually a top three, except for Jonathan Isaac given, but who knows, who knows what we're getting with Jonathan Isaac, but the rest of that roster, it's like, are any of these guys top three players on a, on a real playoff team? No, I don't, I don't think so. So like, and they have a second pick, two picks later. So you can you can maybe roll the dice with a Kaminga or a Barnes. I th- again, I think Kaminga is much more of a roll of the dice than than Barnes is. Maybe both ways. Maybe his ceiling is way higher than Barnes is, but I think his floor is also also much lower. And if you're OKC, at least from the outsider's perspective, I would I can say um, you have 40 picks coming up. So like if you if you blow this one, if this one doesn't turn out well the way that you that you want it to go 
the opportunity cost is lower than it is for for some of the other teams, you know, that, yeah. that are potentially in this in this position. So I think it's partly that they they these two guys seem like probably the next best players, but I think it's partly just like these these two teams both could are okay probably taking a chance here if 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 they want to. But if I was if I was y'all, if I was the Thunder, I would be hoping that Orlando personally, personally, and this may look very foolish in a couple of years, but like I would personally be hoping that Orlando takes Kaminga at five and and leaves me Scotty Barnes because I think that's a I just think there's a higher chance of him being like a real impact and being mm-hmm. a player. And I definitely think it happens sooner than it does for, for Kaminga, man, the sure. real killer for, do you remember when you mentioned like the, 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 uh, workout videos, like in, tw- <laughs> in 2018, you know, the lottery never breaks well for the Mavs. We should have had the third pick. It ends up being the, uh, the fifth pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Tobin and I are just talking ourselves into Mo Bamba. We both really <laughs> wanted Luca. I was super, super I had plenty of misses in the draft, but that was one that I was like, he's the best, he's the best player we've seen come into the draft in so long. I was dying to to get him. And then like a day, two days later, we're like trying to talk ourselves into Mo Bamba. <laughs> and he's sending me videos of of Bamba just canning, you know, 30-foot jumpers in the gym or whatever. And I'm like, cool but like can he you know can he functionally move is yeah, that, yeah is that Here's him curling around a set of cones and hitting to <laughs> yeah, hitting yeah. a really long shot yeah, like it happens impressive to me it's crazy okay. yeah it was it's it's so dark when you when you oh. really get into those spots yeah. you're just like yeah. oh gosh yeah um uh curious was that a draft the trade with atlanta was that like during the draft right before the draft or that happened like a couple days before it was that night. It was, it was, it was like earlier in the late, like late afternoon, it started to break mm. because there was a story at one point, the Mavs up until, <laughs> up until this last month have been notorious for not like letting any leaks get out. Like it's very, it's a tight, it's a tight ship and, and no one's talking to Shams or, or Woj or, or whoever else. But there was like this, um, <laughs> there's this kind of, and again, I was incredibly high on Luca. I just thought this is at, at worst, this is the best prospect to come in the NBA since Anthony Davis. And it might be LeBron. Like he's, he's that good. He's so, so good. And, and there was this narrative kind of circulating at like maybe, I don't know, five o'clock that evening, you know, with the draft about to start in two hours that, that the Mavs maybe weren't willing to do the deal because they didn't want to include Wes Matthews in the trade. <laughs> and I was like, texting every person I know freaking out. If we do not trade Wes Matthews for this, like I will lose my mind. I will, I will become, I will become a Spurs fan. Like I will do something (laughs) drastic. Like when this has to, has to get done, but yeah, ultimately turned out just to be uh, another first round pick to make that, uh, to make that deal happen. But yeah, that came through like late afternoon, early evening. And then, and then, uh, you know, then you're just like biting your nails and hoping that it actually goes through and that, like Memphis doesn't screw it up and say, no, nah, no, cool. We don't want JJJ. We're going to, we're going to take Trey just to hose this, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Starting to freak out about that kind of thing. But. Was there, um, was there any buyer's remorse watching Trey and then Cam Reddish in the uh, no. conference final? Not for me. I mean, maybe, maybe um, it, it, I'm sure some people, maybe that, that kind of opened the door. Cause you get the, the, the dumb, like the perk opinions of, of, 
Well, hey. he's, he's one of, <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll go out perk. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if that's royalty around here, but no, like the, the whole, like, well, one guy's won a series and the other hasn't. Right, like, right, right. Okay, cool. Well, is it, can one we didn't, swap One didn't see Kawhi yeah. both times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One didn't see Kawhi and like, can we do a draft where the Mavs get to pick three or four Hawks players? That'd be cool. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I mean, Trey was, I was not, I've never been a super Trey guy and I've, um, I wasn't as high on him in that draft. And part of it was just, um, kind of a little bit of what I said. I, I tend, I tend to look for like, what's the median outcome. And for me, Trey was somebody who had to hit so much of his ceiling to be like a true winning basketball player because of his size and his, his limitations and, and whatnot. The thing for me with Trey that, that I maybe didn't see or that he's developed really well is like, I kept saying, cause people, the comparison to like Steph Curry, I was like, he's not anywhere. He's not a shoot. He's not an elite shooter. Like Steph Curry is. He's a, he can be a volume shooter and that has its own value, but I mean, he's not Steph. And, but what his development as, as the pick and roll guy with that floater and whatnot is to me is like the big difference between Trey young, 2021 and Trey. And yeah. Like, his touch, his draft. touch in the lane, this especially in the playoffs started to look like like park like tony parker yeah, and yeah i mean it's it's elite level yeah on that really and really that, good it's a huge difference you know because you still i mean even that the the last few games of that that buck series you would see him launch just really terrible long threes and that's just not a i mean you can get away with that a couple of times but that's just not really a formula for success unless you're steph or dame you know and right it's just kind right of, anyway but but no, I, I have no buyer's remorse. I feel very confident in the in the choice that yeah. uh, that they made. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things of of team building has been bad, and that's something that the Mavs need to address and, and other factors in that as well. But I'm I'm very content with uh with where we're at. I do want yeah. to talk about the Mavs here in a second. Um uh, from from an outsider's perspective, are you just waiting on Oklahoma City to just trade up? Is there are we overthinking this? Do they have like too much ammo not to like sometimes i kind of we talk for hours about this stuff and sometimes i think mm. presty would just be like dude like chill like <laughs> we're gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna choose who i want sure. um but i could be dead wrong about that like there's a lot of we're not the only people that think there are really good players in this draft like other right. people have tvs the <laughs> this is uh this is like yeah he's not the only one and i think there's gonna be there's going to be, it's, it's going to be a lot to move up. I think it's going to take a lot. And there's been a lot of uh, talk about maybe including Dort, if it means getting up to four, I think from him being from Canada, he's been linked to maybe a Toronto deal. Right. Um, it would, you know, would you do it for like six and Dort to move up two spots? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little heavy uh, at first thought, but my next thought is if that means Suggs is in the backcourt with Shea for mm-hmm. however many years, sure. um, I think you, I think you do it. Um, but that's, but that's me. That's me as the person that thinks that thinks Suggs is like right behind Kate um, in mm-hmm. this draft. So um, there's a whole bunch of uh, different opinions, but what do you think? Like, are, do you think Oklahoma city is, is like about to move up or do you think they're, do you, are you do you see them playing the long game like you said like they have all these picks if this one doesn't work out then it's okay i feel like as from the i mean it wouldn't surprise me if we woke up t- if tomorrow and they they'd made a huge move to to move up um 
but if if I was Presty, I think that I might lean toward there's not and I don't know what the mood is there, you know. I, I don't I don't know how how patient Thunder fans are are going to be with all this. Here, uh, this is what I'll say to that specifically. I think I think this obviously we're coming off of the first like true tanking season in like mm-hmm. 11 right. years. So this was very different, but um I think everyone's looking at Shea like we need like this is the time to put another guy with him and um and there's a lot of talk about timeline and um we don't want Shea to have to wait around another two years of this to have a guy or a team that uh is ready to go and not that the team is going to be obviously complete after this one draft but um I think there is some urgency to to pay off this year with uh with at least one guy out of these three picks that that you look back and say that it was worth it. And we, we put someone next to Shea that, that we can move forward with. Um, so I think that is some, that is the, that's kind of the tone of, mm-hmm. and, and why I think there is some urgency and why lottery night was such a disappointment and uh, maybe some urgency to maybe if it, even if it means people think Presty lost the trade, just move up, just get mm-hmm. one of those guys. If you think it's a four person draft. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely see the mentality of let's get up and let's get up and get one of these guys. Uh, I really thought when when the lottery first dropped, it was like it seemed pretty because it seemed pretty clear that that Mobley was the the number two guy and that then Suggs is the number three guy. And if you're Cleveland, it's like I would I would in, in my opinion. I would happily just draft Suggs and trade uh, trade Sexton or or Garland or both. I don't care. I think he's I think he is long term better than than either of those players. I would have no problem just saying, "Cool, we're gonna reset another year and just you know kick the can down the road a little bit." But this mm-hmm. guy's better, so we're gonna go that route. But within like two hours, it seemed like well, the narrative is uh, Colby Allman's open to trading the pick and all this sort of stuff. Now with Mobley looking like he might drop to three. Um, that maybe changes the math a little bit because I thought OKC and Cleveland that was that was like a, a fairly natural matchup or mm-hmm. potentially Orlando same thing maybe Orlando just says forget it five and eight to move up to three like whatever yep. let's just let's just get it gone going because we want one of these guys instead but but if if Mobley's gonna Mobley fits better with what uh, Cleveland has on their roster even with Allen I wouldn't worry about that too much because I think Jared Allen's super movable later if you need to if you need to go that route um even on a obviously a bigger a bigger contract um it does but, feel like either sexton or allen are going to be available oh, yeah. right after the draft i would i like so <laughs> i've ridden this weird roller coaster with colin sexton of like he hits a lot of he checks off a lot of the boxes of things that i want in a player but then also he's marking off stuff on the other side and <laughs> it's just he's kind of a hard guy to to pin down I personally would be if if I was Cleveland, I would be happy to move on from Sexton and not have to pay him the, yeah. the money that you're going to have to pay him because I don't think that I'll just from a personal standpoint like he get Sexton gets brought up a lot as like a potential target for the Mavs and it would not be he wouldn't be like super high on my list compared to other players even when you get into like the realistic targets and stuff like that mm-hmm. but he would to me 
I think he would bring more value to the Mavs as a second, third type player than he, than he does to Cleveland as their number one guy. And yeah. so, you know, would I, do I want to pay Colin Sexton $20 million a year? I do not, but I would much rather pay him $20 million a year, you know, as a Mavs fan or a heat fan or whatever, than as a Cavs fan. So sure. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think one of those, one of those guys probably ends up, ends up moving pretty quickly, if not like right after the draft, but to anyway, sorry to get to your question. The, the, I think if I was Presty, I would kind of look at it as I got a, at least a couple bites at this apple before I really have to make an urgent move. And I don't, I don't follow high school basketball enough to be able to say next year's the class where he'll have another chance to get, you know, maybe next year's class is a one player draft. I, I don't really know. That's, that's kind of, I know who Chet Holmgren is, you know, I know who Imani Bates is, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, but I'm not super into it. I'm sure that, that Presti has five guys that are telling him what next year's class is going to look like and all that sort of stuff. Right. I think I would personally view it as I, this is a two or three year thing, not a, not a one year thing. Um, but if the, co- I mean, if the cost is like, a couple of these picks to get up there and, and go get Suggs. If I really believe that Suggs is the guy that's going to pair with, with Shea, then yeah. I mean, I, I do think there is a vast difference, like I said, between the top four and, and whoever you're going to get at six. So maybe it is worth the, the, the chance to, to roll those dice and, and go for it. But I, I think if I, I would look at it as I got to, I got to lease another, another year of playing this out and see. Oh yeah. 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 I think there's, no, I think there's no question that next year is another year of, I don't think it'll be as aggressive as mm-hmm. the last month looked. Um, sure. But I, I do think they will play. I think they'll draft at least two guys and play mm-hmm. them big minutes. Yeah. Um, and uh, they will be more than happy yeah. to play uh, these young guys and uh, let them, you know, take their lumps. And, right. Right. And, and that's uh, what I do, but that doesn't yeah. mean that that's what, you know, he's going to do. The other thing too, though, is I think you, you guys are probably onto something we always talk about. We even talked about when you came on our show uh, a few weeks ago that OKC kind of lurks there as the team that's going to have the, the ammunition to go get Bradley Beal or Carl Anthony Towns or whoever, whatever superstar decides that he wants out. I've always felt like it's more likely that they would do something like this with the, we have all these draft assets. Let's go get the guy who we have control over for seven plus years mm-hmm. rather than uh, a, a Brad Beal or a cat who, you know, already several years into their career and, and it is grouchy about is not, maybe not willing to do the whole, not even a rebuild, but like start at this place instead right. of, go to the Lakers, which is always the out, you know, that every, <laughs> that every player seems, seems to have. So um, I am sure that Presti has made calls or at least kind of put the feeler out to, to Troy Weaver of, so like how many of these picks? Are yeah. We talking it was reported today that uh, they, the Thunder were one of those teams that uh, the Pelicans, I believe were another one of the, another team that uh, was interested in moving up, which had me thinking is Brandon Ingram available. Sure. Um, which I don't know. Um, not sure who is uh, currently making the calls on behalf of the Dallas Mavericks right now, but um, that would be an interesting phone call. I would enjoy that quite quite a bit. If we could so so outside of the top six, you mentioned Keon Johnson. Is he your? My question was going to be, who's your favorite guy past six? Um, is he your guy? Oh, I do like Keon Johnson, and 
I talked myself into like I had talked myself down on him and then I went and watched a bunch of tape today and I was like, Oh, I'm right back there. I really, I really like what, what he brings to me. He can what do you, what do you like? Him. What do you like about Keon Johnson? Cause we've, we've had some mixed feelings as well. Sure. I mean, I just like, I like his competitiveness. He's another guy like Scotty Barnes that I think he's a day one defender. He's a, he's less versatile defensively. Cause he's, he's not six, nine, mm-hmm. seven, whatever wingspan. Um, I think he's probably a one to three defender. And the three even would be maybe dicey in some situations, but he's a, he's a guard and wing defender. Whereas Scotty Barnes, I feel like I'm not sure besides the, you know, the Embiid's and Jokic's of the world, I feel pretty confident, especially in a switch situation that he could jump out on just about anybody. Yeah. And, yeah. And at least make it tough. You know I mean? That's your job. You're not going to, in the, in the way that you, you know, and you're, I'm sure your listeners understand too. It's like, there's no, there's no shutting guys down really anymore. Not consistently yeah. anyway. Yeah. Your whole job is just like, how difficult can you make it on, on the, the opposing team's best players to, to score? And I feel like he can do that. Um, Johnson's like a little bit behind that, but he's not far. I also, I love how he, it, he's probably ahead of Barnes in terms of navigating screens and getting skinny and all that kind of stuff. And that is a huge thing right now. Cause every freaking play down the floor is some form of pick and roll so mm-hmm. if, you, if your primary defender is able to navigate those to get around them to get over them and all that kind of stuff that's a huge huge asset i like his um i like his tenacity he's a real competitive guy i dig that obviously he's a ridiculous athlete he set the record at the combine for that's what gets me going you talk about yeah. like, this guy's hitting shots in an open gym you tell me yeah. oh he set the record for the vertical <laughs> leap i am in like that just is was it 48 yeah, I think so. Like standing, standing vert. Just ridiculous. Four, I'll just hit ridiculous. the top. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's absolutely insane. Um, yeah. He can't shoot at all, at all. Um, right. But he can shoot in. What he has another thing he has over Barnes is he can shoot inside of about eighteen feet. And I don't know how much that matters in the NBA since no non-star gets to take mid-range jumpers and stuff. <laughs> but like, yeah, sure. You can see, at least to me, you can kind of project in two years with our shooting coaches, all this sort of stuff, we can maybe get him to a place where he is a league average shooter from from outside because he shows real touch coming off curls and stuff, especially like that's Mm -hmm. a pretty that's a pretty unique skill set. And he just can't shoot threes. It's so weird. Like the second he steps outside of 20 feet, his shooting mechanics change. He sticks his butt out. It's it's super odd. I I don't I study the the shooting mechanics maybe as much as anything else. Um, that's like the only good thing I'm really good at coaching wise. Like when I coach youth basketball, I'm pretty good at fixing kids' shots and and all that kind of stuff. So I put a lot of emphasis on this. I guess his shot is I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it because the top half is so beautiful. It's 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 so high. He he you can't block his shot i mean he gets it he's he's so high up and it comes out so clean and then you like you like look at it hips and below and you're like what is happening like it just doesn't (laughs) it doesn't make any sense how those two things uh go together but yeah um i think his ceiling is lower than than uh barnes for sure and and probably kaminga as well but i just i feel like again the medium outcome on him is like he's going to be a high level competitive player um, and that, I don't know, that makes, that means something to me. I don't super love, no, I won't put it that way. I, I do really like this, this draft. I just think there's not a huge difference to me between let's say the eighth best player and like the 18th best player or something like that. There's all, 
they're all kind of grouped together in my opinion at this point. And that is, that is a huge argument for not trading up, especially if for, yeah. uh, for Oklahoma city at 16 and 18, like mm-hmm. getting, getting two, getting three guys in the top 18, I think is a real, that's really valuable. Like that's, yes. that, that could turn out to be just, that could net out to be as valuable as trading up to get one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Long-term, especially if you don't get the right one. Um, so are you saying Coop has a wetter? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, beyond Keon, beyond Keon Johnson, who's, yeah. who's your next favorite guy? This is the last guy we'll talk about. Man. Um, I like Davian, Davian Mitchell quite a bit. Um, but you, everybody knows who Davian, there's no, the only question on, on him really is like, is, is his shooting for real? You know, he right. shot 44% last year after shooting, like, I think 32% the year before or something like that. I mean, it's, he had a huge jump and his free throw percentage is terrible. I don't put quite as much stock into that as, as some other people do, but it is an indicator. Um, so, I mean, like there's, there's questions, but like, he's 22 years old, you know what yeah. you're getting with, with Damian Mitchell compared. If to- they don't, if they don't trade those picks, doesn't he seem like such a lock to golden state? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause that's a guy who he can play 15 minutes a game, 15 quality minutes a game uh, for golden state right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they'll be, they'll be happy with that. And they can kind of mix and match who they play him with. And yes, he makes a ton of sense to, that seems like one of the locks on the board. If, like you said, if they have that that pick, he he seems he seems like a lock. The other guy that I'll say, this is a risky one because I'm not I haven't watched as much tape as I want to. I grew up a Duke fan. Like that was Duke basketball was my first like exposure to to the sport really because um, I didn't grow up in a in a sporting household. So I end up. I always say I'm like, I don't really root for Duke anymore, but I, I sort of watch them with fondness from afar is mm-hmm. kind of how I, I look at it. Um, so I watched a little bit of Duke this year and like all of the, the, the pieces, all the tools are there for Jalen Johnson. It's just, there are so many like potential red flags with him as well that you're just, it's kind of hard to decide He's going to have to decide what, who he's going to be, I think is really what it, what it comes down to. And if he decide if he picks the right path on that and decides, okay, I'm not a superstar. So I got to start doing some of the dirty work. I got to, I got to play a little bit of a different role, all this kind of thing. He has so much of, he, he resembles to me so much, uh, Aaron Gordon, mm. who's, type that I really like and I think is very valuable in today's league is somebody who it's like he's not great at anything but he can shoot a little bit he can pass a little bit he can defend four positions kind of you know he can rebound a little bit he gives you energy he can he can move he can jump all these things it's like he's a b or a b plus in most of these categories if he decides that he's willing to do those things I think he presents great value to whoever picks him but he could go seventh and be out of the league in three years or he could go 24th and have a 12-year awesome career i i just i don't know i think it's a real it's a question mark for on that front i love 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 that you mentioned keon johnson and jalen johnson because if (laughs) over the last three weeks ever since the lottery i'll say if there's been one thing that has been consistent from this podcast other than we love Cade, we hate keon johnson and jalen johnson (laughs) 
I'm presenting so, the other side of it. I like that them. is exactly right. I love <laughs> that you like those guys because you can get so like tunnel vision mm-hmm. on certain guys and certain opinions. And it's nice to hear the other side. So I'm glad sure. you glad yeah. you mentioned that. Okay. Um, I do want to hear your thoughts on this, the recent developments of the Mavs front office. Um, I am not a big Jason Kidd fan. Sure. Um, <laughs> I was. You sent me condolences when, I we, did. when we hired Kidd. I did. I I, the edible arrangement, it's like, <laughs> it's like on back order, I think. I think it's yeah. like. It's, a lot of them came to Dallas that week. You'll see yeah. it. Um, but uh, yeah, I was kind of stunned. Like, it felt like. First, this is where I want to start. Rick Carlisle had a very strange, well, at least it read strange, <laughs> quote about like. It almost felt like he was trolling. Like, yeah. uh, he like was. he was. Yeah. Like, there a lot of responses were like, "Tell me you hate Luca without telling me you hate Luca," <laughs> yeah. and it was like, "Here's Rick Carlisle's quote about they should hire Jason Kidd." Right. Um, but then, like, literally half an hour later, reports started coming out that they were keyed in on Jason Kidd. Yeah. Um, I was so confused by all of that. Like make sense of, make sense of that for me. If, if, if there, if there is such a thing. Yeah, it was a not great, not great week for, (laughs) for Mavs fans. Um, Carlisle is an interesting guy in that we all know that he is a giant a-hole and (laughs) I don't know if that's as well known around. Cause I mean, it's not like he's out promoting himself or anything. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe, Maybe the average fan in Milwaukee doesn't know that Rick Carlisle is just a, as a jerk. As a big Rick Carlisle fan myself, I did not yeah. know that. Okay, I see. I, this is where I'm at. See, I'm kind of a. I can be cantankerous uh, myself, and I really I love Rick Carlisle. He's and also acknowledge this guy's a jerk. He's just a jerk to everybody. He he can be a jerk to uh, media members. He he does this. <laughs> I don't know. He does a weekly, or he did. I should say he did a re- weekly radio show here. Uh, on the big the big sports talk station uh, in town, the ticket, and um, <laughs> but he would only do it with this guy Norm Hitzkis, who's like a legend in the sports talk radio community. He's he's been he's one of the 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 founders of of sports talk radio. But he also is just like so far past his prime that it's you know it's kind of sad in a way. But um, but he would do this show with with Norm, and then one. <laughs> One day, Norm's out, and there's a a filler guy is is the host of the show, and he asked Rick a question that apparently Rick didn't like, and and this was pretty early in Rick's tenure, and he just he gave the guy yes and no responses for the rest of the interview, and it just was like he Jim Harbaugh it, yeah, totally, absolutely, and it was like one of those things where you're like, there's a part of me that likes this because it's just he just doesn't suffer fools. But mm-hmm. part of me is like that probably gives you a good indication of of what it's like to be in a room with Rick Carlisle if he decides that you've annoyed him. You know, he's a very smart guy and is very easily annoyed, I think. Um, he's one of the best X's and O's coaches in the league. Top, I don't know, three, maybe five, whatever. Um, he's 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 one of the best. And he's gotten this team uh to multiple playoff berths that I don't think many coaches in the league would have, would have done. I mean, the record being circulated, you know, he hasn't won a series since the championship and, and all these sorts of things. And, and that's true. It's a, it's a, it's a factor. That's crazy. I hadn't thought about that. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, but also you think like, I mean, okay, but this team prominently featured Darren Collison, you know, and this mm-hmm. team was like this. We had Chris Kamen in here for a while. We've had multiple tenures of Samuel Dellenbear, you know. It's like it's not like the franchise has been just exuding talent over the last decade. It's been Dirk and just whoever they can get for six million dollars, you know, mm-hmm. to put around him and stuff, and he's gotten great value out of those players. I was not on the the Fire Carlisle train got started probably mid season this year. Um, I was not aboard the train. I felt like, uh, if you're going to fire a coach, you better know that whoever you're going to get is better than, than he is. And there's not any available coaches who are better than Rick Carlisle, unless Popovich wants to come up the (laughs) up 35, you know? Um, so I wasn't really, I wasn't leading that charge, but I did acknowledge the only other reason you fire a coach is if, if you feel like he's lost the room, I would prefer to be early on firing a coach versus late. Like Brett Brown is a guy that I would have fired at least a year before they fired him. I thought they wasted a year with Brett Brown because they didn't want to, because they want to be loyal to the guy and they didn't want to, they want to let him go. I, I would have fired him a year early. Um, kind of what Toronto would with uh, Dwayne Casey, you know, of, hmm. of, Hey, we don't think this guy is our guy moving forward, even though he just had, a great season for as he just as won coach of the year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so for him to walk away the way he did was, was pretty, was pretty odd, but you, you know, you follow this stuff whenever, whenever someone leaves town, whether it's a coach or a player, um, you it's, it's, it's like every media member in the, in the, the local beat, has like a story on their computer locked and loaded, yep. you know, for the yep. second that this guy leaves. Yep. Cool. All right. Now I'm going to tell you all about uh, <laughs> Rick Carlisle and how he and Luca don't get along and, and the stuff that's been going on behind the scenes and all this. My favorite of that was like LaMarcus Aldridge when he left Portland and like, it felt like within the hour there were multiple, <laughs> actually that guy sucks kind of reports coming out <laughs> yeah. from, from the Portland beat. And you're just like, I mean, he was pretty good. You could probably give him like <laughs> 12 hours or so. Um, but it was pretty crazy. But yes, you get all this stuff with Carlisle that like from maybe from day one that he and Luca didn't get along. I wasn't surprised by that, but it, I I don't think I was as aware of how bad it was, I guess, behind the scenes. Um, but it was pretty clear that he and he and Rick were kind of button heads and and clashing. And yes, he, the uh <laughs> the statement that he put out thanking all of these players but not thanking luca and then the next statement was uh they should hire jason kidd and not thanking his assistant jamal mosley was very calculated and pointed and i don't think that there's any denying that he was absolutely trying to make a couple of statements uh through those statements you know like read between the lines you really don't have to read hard don't like this guy. Don't like that guy. Jason Kidd sucks. That was kind of the, the I felt like anyway. The, the which takeaway. which makes it even more puzzling that they within like twenty four hours had hired Jason Kidd. Yeah, man. Um, life comes at you fast, you know. It's man. like the there was it was like a week before that that uh, that kid was attached to 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 Lillard. And Tobin and I were like, ooh, honey baby, like that's not that's <laughs> not really where we want to go. And I mean, I literally said to Tobin whether I said it on the air or not, like, we just need to be thankful. Cause this is part of the process is 
the Mavs have not been a normal organization for 20 plus years because they are, a, they were a very good successful franchise that was built around a guy who is wholly unique in, in all of basketball. There is no one like Dirk. And I don't just mean from a, I mean, I know I'm very biased on that. And Dirk is my, I always say like, if the only way anybody could ever supplant Dirk as my favorite player ever is if my son led the Mavericks to a championship, like just getting to the Mavericks might not be enough, you know? And you mean you're like, your 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 actual son, not your Slovenian yeah, son. Yeah. My actual child right, uh, right. who is eight. If, if he leads the Mavs to the title someday, then maybe the I'll aforementioned coop. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But like, Dirk was a is a completely different kind of superstar than really than anyone else in the league. He's it's him and Tim Duncan. Like those are throwback kind of guys that just it doesn't really exist in this league anymore. And so they got away with building teams poorly because Dirk was never going to leave. And especially post championship, there was there was no that he wasn't ever going to go somewhere else. And so. That's very awesome. It's great from on his standpoint, but it definitely led to like some some pretty terrible team building and making decisions and things like that. And it's not that way anymore. And and I it's they're going to have to adjust to this guy that we have is an all world talent. Like truly, I mean he's he's a top five player, top whatever eight player in the league, and truly could be a multiple time MVP if things go go the way that 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 they could you know his potential or whatever um but also that brings with it expectation that brings with it four million instagram posts of of photoshopping him into other jerseys and it goes with you're gonna have to kind of acquiesce to the demands of the talent and that's not something that the maps have ever had to do before and kind of changing those things out is, is very difficult. But I literally said to Tobin a week or so before the kid thing, when the, when the Dame thing was circulating, I was like, Hey, could be worse. At least, <laughs> at least our guy doesn't want kid, you know? And then <laughs> four days later, we're hiring Jason kid. And it's just like, geez, man, what a, this is, this is pretty brutal. Um, what happened? What happened with Bob Volgaris? Oh man. <laughs> um, I think that, Big fan, by the way, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think you're in the same boat as me. I, I was pretty aware of Bob beforehand because he's, he was a frequent guest on, on Simmons podcast and um, maybe have, I maybe have, have dabbled in, in following what he does from a, a gambling perspective and such. So sure. like I knew, I knew a bit about him. I did not know the role that he was playing. I knew he was, he was hired, you know, I knew he was part of the team. I did not know how apparently how vital his thoughts and information were uh, to the team. Now it's, it's been a long known, I, I think it's, it's pretty well known around here that, that Cuban, tend that Cuban is running things. Cuban is the guy who's in charge of, of everything. Um, whether there's a GM or a president of basketball operations or what, like he doesn't have those titles and it doesn't matter. He's the guy that makes the, the final decision on things. It also, I think was fairly well known around here that who has his ear has changed multiple times over, over the years. I did not know that Bob was the guy who was speaking uh, sweet nothings into uh, into Cuban's ear at the at the moment. Sure, but it's it's pretty clear uh, that he had major influence over the the decision making process around here, and that no one else likes that. <laughs> so, um, Donnie Nelson did not like it. Rick clearly did not like it. I don't think 
I mean, obviously Luca didn't like it. I don't think anybody was happy with with Bob except for potentially uh, Cuban. So um, I don't think they have not fired Bob, but his contract runs out in like October. So I kind of okay. think he's not coming back. Or if he does, he will be back in a an offsite advisory role only, not um, somebody who's who's here for the day to day. I think he's way more interested in uh, yachts and. And more of an assistant to so, the regional manager yeah, yeah. situation yeah um so you know as much as i like as much as i've been like a distant fan like through the same outlets that, that you mentioned uh-huh. it doesn't surprise me at all that he rubbed people the wrong oh, way absolutely absolutely i mean it's been really funny because i i just i don't think that people this is, I don't mean this to sound like super hipstery, but like I've been in on this guy for a long time and I don't, I, I, I guess I didn't realize that, that most people weren't like that. Mm-hmm. He's like some sort of, uh, you know, international man of mystery to people. And I'm like, no, he's a poker dork. Like he's, <laughs> I mean, like I've seen, you know, I kind of know all, some of this stuff, but yes, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's like when that story came out, I'm like, yeah, that guy has like Mark Zuckerberg level of understanding human beings. Like that's not a a surprise um, whatsoever. And it's why he probably isn't cut out to be in a front office because half your job is managing relationships with people. Um, Speaking of someone that has, seems to have Cuban's ear, were you surprised Michael Finley wasn't named like to an elevated position? I think we were all surprised that it wasn't Finley GM Jamal Mosley coach. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed like where everything was leaning until about 36 hours before it did not go that way. Until um, Rick started talking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And it just, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. Um, Do you know anything about this guy that, that they hired? Yeah, I mean, he's a relationship guy. So he's like the antithesis of, of Bob Volgaris, I think. Um, <laughs> You know, look, I, I did not want um, Carlisle to be to be fired. I think I would have preferred to have him come back unless they were pretty sure that they were going to fire him midseason. I'd always rather turn over the coach in the offseason than than the mid than midseason, obviously, unless you're unless you have Nate McMillan on your staff. I was about like to that. say. <laughs> I mean, gosh, how Boy. bad is Lloyd Pierce? Um but, but the I did think that it was probably past time for Donnie Nelson to I thought that they would I thought they would do the Brad Stevens thing. I thought they would promote him but fire him you know like hey man yeah. you're not doing a great job here let's move you up the the ladder but it's kind of promotion and title only because donnie's like part of the family and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff but i did think that he was well past the point where i really wanted him making decisions and finley is a guy that i, I mean michael finley was one of my favorite players growing up and a guy that I, I love and and deeply respect and i think he deserves the position that he's in and he's worked incredibly hard to to be that they've like groomed him for the last five or so years to to put him into that position i'm not upset though that there's somebody coming in from the outside i think that that front office pretty badly needed some some fresh blood and and outside voices coming into to how we're doing things. Cause I just Cuban gets very, very stagnant and um, stuck in his ways. He's a very stubborn person. And when he's the guy who's ultimately making the decisions, there are times where I've been like, it'd be cool if there was somebody in that room mm-hmm. that was shaking things up a little bit. And I don't think Donnie's doing that. And I don't think that Finley is doing that either. Um, 
So, I mean, you don't have to, the jerseys, like we have the same stupid jerseys for the last 20 plus years because Cuban thinks they're cool. And, and it just, you know, that's just a kind of a microcosm of some of the way that, that he thinks. I we think that the that. Harrison hire is good um, because they've kind of committed to this, this path of we're going to try to build through free agency. It's maybe not the way that I would have done things, but that's what they have done. And there's, we're, we are in sort of a spot where it's like, it'd be really hard to move away from that path now mm-hmm. without risking, you know, we're the team that has a superstar saying I want out. Um, right. And so right. you're just kind of stuck with it. I think Harrison brings relationships. I think he knows, uh, obviously he knows people and he knows the players and has, has these relationships with the agents. So that's gotta be the hope, whether he's a good, like even qualified to be in the position he's in, I don't really know. Um, but I do think that he, he will help on, on that front. And I like that Finley can be there as kind of the basketball guy to, yeah. to work with him. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that, that Finley seems happy uh, and content to, to be, to be a part of that. But the, the, the gist of it is, I think that, that, that Nico Harrison, and Jason Kidd are a package deal is mm-hmm. kind of how it was, it was sold. And so you bring him in and you just got to hope that, I mean, I don't, you're, you are going to be, we are going to be worse from an X's and O's standpoint this year than they were with Carla. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. You just kind of have to hope that a, that kid has kind of learned a little bit from his, his last couple of stops. That seems to be, I mean, by all, everything I've read seems to suggest that he did come into the Lakers with the mentality of, I want to learn how to actually do this. Um, and so hopefully he's a little bit better on that front. And that he's better at managing the players as far mm-hmm. as like the relationships and the, um, <laughs> the tone and how we're going to talk to players and, and all this kind of thing. Cause I think Carlisle was definitely um, failing on that front at least. So, but he's One, not going to win you games X's and O's wise, I, I would assume. So you're, you're just hoping that, that Harrison can bring some guys in every Mavs fan is just like, <laughs> you know, certain that, that Damian Lillard is coming here. And I think that's obviously insane, <laughs> but can you bring in some guys? Can we build the team a little bit better? And then can Luca just be so great that he can overcome potentially bad coaching? And if that fails, I mean, maybe he can just have one of his players run into him and like spill his drink. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. what a menace. And I respect that so much. Like I loved that move. <laughs> Looking back at it, it's Same. just insane that he actually did it. You know, what's, it. one of my favorites that he did, he, I mean, Jason Kidd is one of my favorite, probably it might be my like fifth favorite player of all time. And I always say he's my favorite player to watch. Mm. I love watching him on the court. He was, just, he's such a genius. And that water thing always got so much, um, <laughs> so much pub because he's the coach and it's a really crazy thing to do. He had a game when he was still playing I don't think it was the season we won, maybe in the year after, but somewhere around there, we were playing the Hawks and Mike Woodson was on the court yelling at his players and stuff, but like not an, I mean, he wasn't really in the way and kid purposefully veered over and (laughs) smashed into him and earned a technical foul. And we, if I remember correctly, we won the game because, (laughs) because this play had happened. Like he just, he was, he's so smart. He's so smart about that stuff. And then you, then there's other things where you're like, are you like capable of human speech? Like, it's just so <laughs> weird. Some of the, the way that, that, uh, that, that works with him. Yeah. I mean, he's, we'll see, we'll kind of see what kind of tricks he has <laughs> up his sleeve. <laughs> well, one thing we absolutely share in is a disdain for our team's uniforms. 
Oh, um, yeah. But that is something I've watched you and Tobin talk about over the years that I just think is so funny because I relate to it so much. Yeah. Um, all right. We are going to shift gears. I mentioned at the top, you host, uh, you co-host um, the Mad About Movies podcast, which is just a, a, a real delight. Um, so I wanted to get into, there's Space Jam 2 is about to come out, and I figured we would get into top five um, basketball movies. Um, sure. So I uh, hope you've come with your list, maybe some honorable mentions. Um, <laughs> but I, before we start, I have to share... Uh, the the podcast has made me laugh like hysterically. Like I need to pull over laugh multiple times, but I have to share my favorite. Um, I don't know how it came up, but shout out Richard. Uh, he mentioned ex machina, <laughs> which of course means the machine. Yeah. Yes. And he said ex machina Spanish for the machina. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I had to, I had to pull my car <laughs> over. I was laughing so hard. Um, all right. Do you want to start? We should start with honorable mentions. Sure. Um, sure. That is the, that is the uh, MO. Um, I included so. some, some there's, so there's not a lot of great basketball movies. So I included a couple of documentaries. I hope that that. Uh, sure. Yeah. Meets your, your I, I also included a couple movies that aren't truly basketball movies. Okay. But might have a basketball scene, might have a basketball sure. slant. Okay. Yeah. Um, like so Catwoman, yeah. obviously. Sure. Um, great. <laughs> you took my first one. Great basketball scene. <laughs> Man. Um, okay. So, yeah. uh, a couple honorable, couple mentions. honorable mentions here. Uh, Glory Road, the uh, the UTEP basketball movie. Pre, pre Your neck film. of the woods, if I, yeah, if I understand. Yeah, pretty, I mean, I'm probably closer to you than I am to El Paso. That's how wide Texas <laughs> is, but... Yeah, not not. Uh, well, I'm in D.C., so I doubt it. I mean, I'm going to pull it up afterwards and look. It's, <laughs> we'll we'll it's probably it. not as as uh, as as far off as as you may think because it's that is like the 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 way out tip of of West Texas. But um, yeah, that movie is pretty solid. I haven't seen it in a while, but it, but was one I remember being really pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, we got Space Jam two coming, so I feel like Space Jam probably earns a, a mention in, sure. in the honorable mention category. Uh, and then I'll, I'll definitely play the Homer here and, and say, uh, Nowitzki, the perfect shot <laughs> documentary about, about my grandfather, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, I love it. Well, I'll start, Netflix. I'll start my honorable mentions by just saying Thunderstruck then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you understand bias. Okay. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another two honorable mentions that have very little to do with basketball. Uncut gems was, I thought was really fun. Mm, sure. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, father of the bride, which is a top 10 favorite movie of mine has a scene, has a basketball scene called basketball scene, um, (laughs) driveway scene, uh, little music going, love that. Um, so yeah, I have to shout that out. Um, all right. And one more honorable mention for me is, uh, is, uh, brown sugar. Oh, okay. Have you seen yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. It's been maybe just one time that I can remember. But yeah, okay, that's a good one. Super good. good one. All right, number. We'll go. Uh, we'll go with our number five. You go. You go first. Number five for me. I, I debated back and forth. This is favorite, not best. So yes. I will go. I went back and forth between this and that. I'm gonna go. He got game at number five. The, Love it. Uh, 
the Spike Lee joint, uh, Denzel, pretty great. Ray, Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Um, and the stories on the, the set from that are pretty, are worth being a, a top five movie. Some of the uh, best uh, apparel, like yes. just, and it also gave a, uh, it also gave, I mean, it's just some unbelievable Jesus Shuttlesworth stories. Yes. Yeah, like, like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, also made it onto an NBA uniform uh, when we were doing nicknames. Oh, on yeah. The, on the back of uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, uh, my uh, number five is uh, White Man Can't Jump. Okay, yeah, that one's coming up here for me in a second. Yes, yeah, I debated that one, and and he got game, which where I was going to place them. So. White Man Can't Jump also gave us a legendary Halloween costume between <laughs> Nick Collison and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> legendary. Um, yes. We hold that in high esteem. All right, number four. I'll go ahead and put White Man Can't Jump there since since we just talked about it. The, yeah. The fun thing for me with with that one is that's a movie that was a huge because I mean I'm tell I said earlier my family not a sporting family whatsoever doesn't care about sports um, and growing up in like the I mean you know I'm 38 so like becoming a basketball fan especially in Dallas Fort Worth in the, the early to mid 90s when the Mavs are just the most garbage team ever <laughs> like I really think the 92 93 Mavs team is the worst basketball team of all time. And you're just what trying to sop up this? every ounce of basketball that you can get in any form. I watched uh, White Man Can't Jump on TBS four billion times. Just like, <laughs> just constantly had that on and never saw the non-TBS version until I was like in my mid-20s probably and was like, oh, this is a different movie. Like there's a lot more stuff in this that I did not know was a part of, of this film when it was edited down to 80 minutes on on tbs uh yes love i love white man can jump you can't you can't get over wesley snipes at this time the best best the best for, for that stuff yeah and woody i mean woody harrelson is yeah. still at it he is totally. still at it absolute american treasure um oh yeah he is um all right my number four yep mm-hmm. uh he got game um okay. those the, like you're saying those two are kind of interchangeable yeah super 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 good he got game is better than white man can't jump, but I, I like to watch white man can't jump more yeah. than, than, uh, he got game. Um, well, he got game. I think like some of the Denzel stuff is just like really good. Really, really oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Very few people deliver dialogue like, like Denzel. And playing kind of a seedy character too. Yeah. That does, that's not something that Denzel did at that time. I mean, obviously with uh training day, he really took that to the next level, but that's a departure from most of his filmography, and he's really good at it. He's really good at it. Um, all right, number three. Number three for me is a documentary uh, that I don't think many people have seen. It's called The Other Dream Team. It's mm. about the Lithuanian basketball team uh, in 92, the, uh, the Dream Team Olympics. So you get... Um, a lot of people have seen like the uh, oh shoot, what was that called? What's the thirty for thirty called with with Vlade? Um, something with brothers. We were yeah, uh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Or what you're up, referring to. I, I can't remember what it's called exactly. But a lot of people have seen that, and that is a very. I mean, that's a that's a great. A great once film once well. brothers. Once brothers. Thank you. Um, the the other dream team kind of focuses on a similar story just happening in Lithuania. So you get that whole 
you know, the, the breakup of the Soviet Union and all of these players are displaced and how do you know, trying to put teams together and, um, and the Lithuanian team, which was like uh, Arvidas Sabonis and Sarunas Marshallonis, who your listeners should look up uh, like YouTube video. That dude was before his, his knee stuff. He was a monster. And there are a couple other names that you like might recognize, but they were trying to they they qualify. Well, per, part of it is like trying to qualify for the Olympics post the breakup of, of the Soviet union. And then a huge part of the story is once they've qualified, they, they don't have it. There's no money. They can't get to the Olympics, let alone like get jerseys and training and all this sort of stuff. And um, this is a bit of a spoiler for the movie, but since nobody's seen it, it, it comes down to, <laughs> comes down to Bill Walton um, hooking the Lithuanian basketball team up with the Grateful Dead and oh they God. fundraise essentially to be able to go to the Olympics to the point that they're like on court warmups are tie dyed Grateful Dead t-shirts. <laughs> and uh, it's a, gr- it's a really cool. That's story. incredible. Yeah, man. And I, this might be on Netflix too, but it's, if it's not, it's definitely worth the four bucks on Amazon prime or whatever to rent it. It's a really really cool story my some friends and i went to see it when it debuted here um in dallas because donnie nelson was donnie nelson was a like an assistant coach on the lithuanian team i think if i remember correctly so anyway it debuted here we went to the uh the open for it and and donnie was there asked questions and all this sort of stuff but it's it's a really good kind of feel good kind of kind of movie that has that 30 for 30 feel to it but in like kind of an expanded form if if he wasn't already, that might vault Bill Walton into American Treasure territory. He, you know, funds. I'm not kidding. He was my very first public inductee. Like the first, really? Richard and I did American <laughs> Treasures off the air just as a bit for uh-huh. for years. But the very first time we did, uh, we did the segment on the show. He was my my number one, my first nomination because I freaking love Bill Walton. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Number three for me. Uh, I have Space Jam. I love Space Jam. And I was like, I think I was eight when it came out. What year did Space Jam come out? 96, I believe. So I was five. Like, Space Jam taught me, like, to quote Nick Miller, taught me that I could love a man. Like, <laughs> when, when, when Jordan is stretching his arm and he dunks it from half court, I mean, that's what more, what more do you need as a, as a five-year-old? On, not, I'm not kidding. Not kidding here. When Reggie Miller, remember the game where Reggie Miller kind of shoved Jordan to come around the screen mm-hmm. and hit that game yeah. winner in 97? Yeah. That, that game, I was six. I remember where I was watching it, and I was like, why is everyone cheering? <laughs> and my dad's like, yeah. what are you talking about? I'm like, why is everyone cheering? I literally didn't know basketball was – I thought it was made so Jordan won. <laughs> I thought it was made so he just won the game. Right. And uh, this guy's blowing it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, everyone's cheering, but Jordan didn't win. I don't know what's going on. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Space Jam was like, I had the posters, I had uh, the jerseys, I was after the shoes, like all of it. Oh, so, man. Space Jam, for major nostalgic reasons, sure. uh, lands at number three for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I was a little, I'm a little older than you. So, I was, I, I liked Space Jam, but I wasn't, it wasn't quite as influential on me. Um, at that time, I will tell you that my, my, I'm, my son's eight 
and he cannot wait for space. Jam <laughs> so it is a big deal around that. Like yeah. he, this morning, um, within like 20 minutes of being awake, he was like, dad, the new toy at McDonald's is space jam. And he's just like super pumped about everything, everything space jam. So hopefully um, it will kind of, I love the, I McDonald's. Had the influence on him that he, that, that the first one had on you. I love the, the McDonald's is still marketing, like just crushing the toy marketing to kids. They are unbelievable. It is, it's diabolical and I can't even be mad about it. They're I still just, have some of the so like Disney, out. like gla- like uh, glasses that they would give you with different <laughs> yeah, characters uh-huh. on yeah. them. For sure. Right. Um, all right, number two. Number two for me uh, is Hoosiers. We just did a, a Hoosiers review, uh, I think in March, a throwback for the first time. And there's a little bit of cheesiness to it for sure. I mean, it's definitely an 80s movie, but the basketball stuff is great. Like it really gets the basketball side of things right. And I feel like that's the hardest thing to do in um, in a basketball movie. It's one of the reasons why I don't think there's very many good ones. It's very difficult to film realistic looking basketball mm-hmm. uh, for, for a movie, as opposed to, I mean, baseball has the, is baseball and boxing. I think part of it, the reason why those, those movies are so good overall is because it's so much pitcher hitter or puncher puncher, you know, yeah. it's, it's easier to kind of zoom in and make it look realistic. Um, whereas basketball, you, you very frequently get the fresh prints kind of look on, yeah. on the actual basketball action, but who's your, Can- is that right? Gene Hackman is one of the, the greatest actors of all time and uh, gives a really great performance. And, and it just, it does a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sports tropes, sports yes. movie tropes that come directly from Hoosiers. So I think it like kind of suffers in hindsight because so many movies have kind of done what that movie did, you know, since. Yeah. Then. The locker room so, stuff is great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Hoosiers is, is my number one. So we can talk about it now. Okay. Sure. Um, a really strange like romance subplot <laughs> the yes, yes the gene hackman uh school faculty member was really really strange for sure and it really looks strange in 2021 and to be yeah. honest with you i hadn't seen hoosiers in probably five plus five ten years um before we watch it this this uh this year this spring and i like had zero memory of any of that stuff. Like it just, <laughs> and, and even now it's like, that is already kind of gone out of my brain. Cause it's just like, no, it's a basketball movie. Right. Like the, the, the B story with Dennis Hopper being a drunk is, is kind of the only other yeah. part of that, that, that even sticks in my brain. Cause the, you're right. The romance thing is like, this doesn't really even make sense. Like it's so, so weird. But, but like you're saying, like as basketball fans, the real romance is the guy dribbling on grass <laughs> in his, yeah on yeah. his like hoop 100%. outside yeah. like it's it's really really good the music is so good mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. good um yeah love hoosiers so that's my number one what's your number what i'll say my number two is coach carter that might be okay one. yeah man i haven't seen coach carter in a long time i need to i need to revisit that one um there was a like a meme going around about coach carter today or yesterday and i was like all oh, right i haven't thought about that in a long, long time number one for me is the documentary hoop dreams um yeah. i think is maybe the it's hard. It's really hard to say the best sports documentary of all time. Cause uh, there's a lot of really good sports documentaries, but it, it might, it might take that cake. It's, it is one of the most meticulously well-crafted documentaries I've, I've ever seen and had real, you talk about how Hoosiers like kind of maybe not changed the sports movie genre, but definitely had major influence. I think hoop dreams was 
legitimately, you could say, change the documentary industry and the way that we, the, that we shoot documentaries and, and the attention that they get and stuff. It was the, one of the very first like real uh, hit documentaries. Like yeah. it was a big deal um, and resonated in the mainstream and stuff. And kind of, I think also is partially responsible for bringing basketball to the mainstream outside of the stars, outside of Michael Magic and Larry um, but the, just the, the recruiting circuit and the, the, uh, uh, you know, the outdoor courts and, and things like that. It just, it was a huge, huge mainstream thing. And that should typically never happens with a three hour documentary, you know? Sure. And uh, did you ever see the pistol Pete documentary? Yes. Yeah. I was obsessed with pistol Pete when I was a kid. Um, so that like that pistol Pete movie was a, a frequent player or in, sorry, in sorry, house. sorry. The movie. Yeah. Not yeah. the documentary. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for sure. We watched that. We watched that at church all the time for that some is, reason. I don't, I don't know. Well, it was shown in school to yeah, like <laughs> yeah. a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. For like sure. when the teacher got bored or ran out of stuff, I was like, Hey, <laughs> for, you seen this sure. guy pistol Pete? Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> very, uh, very recently I playing pickup and I threw a pass. I, I'm, I'm not a very good basketball player. I'm competent, but I'm five, eight, five, nine. And, um, you know, I'm 38 and the air down there and yeah, all this sort of stuff. So it's not, I'm not done, but I have pretty good court vision. And I fairly recently, I, I threw a pass to somebody like leading them to the open spot and it just hit them right in the back of the head. Cause they never turned <laughs> and look at it. And then for the rest of the day, you know, my, my teammates were, were ribbing me and calling me pistol Pete. And I'm like, well, I mean, he was open. So there's that, you know, yeah. we could, he could have, he could have turned. <laughs> yes. Pistol Pete was a, the, a big influence on, on me as a kid for sure. And shout out to the dream team documentary. That 30 for oh, 30 yeah, is like insane. Too. That book is awesome. The yeah. uh, uh, Jack McMullen book on yeah. the dream team is fantastic. Um, all right. That wraps it up. Uh, Brian, seriously thank you for joining me yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast it was a lot of fun yeah absolutely thanks for having me and thanks for letting me talk forever and sorry for all the draft stuff that will sound very foolish in, in three weeks i'm sure uh, <laughs> oh tell tell everybody where uh where we can find you <laughs> uh you can find my shows spread the floor is the one that needs your love the most it's it's newer and and uh harder to break into that little market than than the movie's ended up being when we, when we did that. So spread the floor is on all available podcast platforms and such and on Twitter as well. So check that out. And then uh, my movie podcast is mad about movies. So uh, check that out. And if you really like what you hear on mad about movies, we have a, we have a secondary feed a VIP feed mad about movies, podcast.com slash VIP. And you can sign up and get even more of us talking. And the other two are better at talking than me. So if I've, if I've turned you off, then I promise uh, the others are better than me. Richard is hilarious. I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Brian, thanks a lot. Everybody, thanks so much for listening, especially if you made it to the end. Um, <laughs> uh, good, good on you. Uh, we will talk again uh, next week. Uh, thanks for listening to the Daily Thunder podcast. Hey, Hoopheads. We appreciate you listening to this episode of Daily Thunder. Be sure to check out other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Knock If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. There are also coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, 
the coachesmaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget the network's flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by Mike Cleansing and Jason Sunkel, and featuring the best minds in the game from its grassroots to the NBA.